lesson is kind of uh, funny timing because we just got back from a marriage conference, a marriage retreat. And it's funny, there were a lot of things that Brian put into his messages that we're going to touch on uh, today. Um, but uh, we finally come to the point where, you know, I front-loaded so many things with what to do and, and how to be before you enter into a dating relationship. Now we're going to start discussing a little mini-series of guidelines while dating. And so what a better place to start with the most awkward, which is sexual purity. Um, this is going to be huge because, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I... As much as, and I've said this before, you know, Heather and I, we, we kept our virginity ever since until our wedding night. But uh, for me personally, uh, you know, as is common with a lot of guys and even girls now, but for me personally, I battled lust through high school and into college and JBI years and even while we were dating. And I remember during the time that I was being discipled with Stephen, um, he even just, you know, having come from similar backgrounds and, and issues too, he even just counseled me. He's like, man, I'll tell you what, uh, if you're still battling this, let me give you some advice I wish I heeded. He goes, do not start dating unless you have things nailed down in your lust area. Unless you have things nailed down that you have mortified and killed the desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life until you have mortified that in your life. He's like, do not start dating. And we kind of touched on that a couple weeks back when we did that lesson on knowing when to date. And so this is going to be a lot of not rehash or, or reminder, but if there is one message I want to encourage you guys to go back and re-listen to, it's that one, knowing when to date, because we do talk about making sure you're sexually pure. And man, I wish that I would have heeded his advice because I didn't when Heather and I started dating. And a lot of those struggles that I had with my lust, I carried into our dating relationship. And if you don't have a handle on it yourself, trust me when I say that you will too. So guidelines while dating, sexual purity, look along in the introduction here. <clears throat> if we want to be involved in godly relationships that turn into fruitful marriages, then we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts by letting the word of Christ dwell richly in us or dwell in us richly. That's Colossians 3, 15 and 16. It's been the theme of our entire series with how to well, not how to study the Bible, but with biblical relationships. Making sure that we go based upon what the Word of God says and we change our behavior accordingly. So it should come as no surprise that the Bible has very clear instructions to guide you to remain physically pure while dating. And again, it's no coincidence that I, I had this video that I want to share with you guys. It's about seven minutes long. And it's from Phil Brown and Brian Brown. Phil is Brian's dad. And I didn't plan on playing this on today while he's actually here, but I plan on playing it whenever we covered this topic. And this was from, well, almost three years ago now. It was my first trip to Mexico. And this was a combined senior high, college career singles trip. And uh, Phil just went on this tangent. And if you know Phil Brown or if you've met Phil Brown, he can go on some tangents. Now, I do want to clarify, too, uh, this is going to be um, very, very blunt and straightforward. And I really want you guys to listen. Um, I can't even believe the fact, like to this day, I can't believe I started recording this right before he started talking on this. And I'm so glad I kept it. You will have to bear with uh, my leg hairs on the bottom of the frame there. Uh, so just a forewarning. But I'm telling you guys, listen to every word that he's going to say. Brian's going to translate for him because it was a mixed crowd. Brian has a few comments, but uh, I want to start things off by, by listening to this. You guys can hear Brian? I felt very embarrassed. 
si ellos han pegado a ese nivel I decided that if those who weren't walking with the Lord had sinned to a certain level en dos o tres años yo voy a llegarle a ese nivel in two or three years I want to sit at this level y soy muy muy bueno para cumplir mis metas very good for fulfilling my goals y una cosa que yo he aprendido one thing that I learned es que todos somos diferentes we're all different no solamente los ojos son diferentes, not just the eyes are different, y no solamente las orejas, la cara es diferente, everyone's different, huellas digitales, fingerprints, la ADN, DNA, o sea, todo es todo es diferente, pero también cada cada vagina y cada pene es diferente, but every vagina, every penis is different. Así es que si tú experimentas en tener sexo antes del matrimonio, so if you experiment in having sex before you get you can go and confess to the Lord and he cleanses you of all wickedness there's something very important you understand tu conciencia conscience sigue pensando en esas cosas keeps having that inside this world ahora estás casando con una persona you're married with a person y eso es para siempre and that's forever pero vendrá los días y son muchos días but the days will come and there will be many days cuando el diablo va a meter en tu mente the devil is going to bring to your mind el comparar este to compare this with that o ella o la otra to the other este pene o el otro pene esta vagina o la otra vagina this vagina with the other vagina y serás torturado para el resto de tu vida and you'll be tortured for the rest of your life para tú dices, ah, pero Dios me perdonó. Y si me cae en forgetting, exactamente, exactly. Ya te perdonó de todo. Y eso no es todo para nada. He cleanses you from everything. Eso no es el problema. That's not the problem. El problema es que tú todavía tienes una conciencia. Oh, you still have a conscience. Y escúchame, escúchame. Listen to what I'm saying. Tengo casi 76 años de edad. I'm almost 76 years old. Y todavía tengo que batallar con mi pecado. I still have to battle with my sin. Así es que por favor, so please, si no han tenido sexo, if you haven't had sex, get a virgin when you're married. No tengas que comparar a tu esposa, tu esposo, con ninguna otra persona, your wife or your husband with anybody else. Échale ganas. Y tengo yo el privilegio de decir, amén, inglés, and I have the privilege to be able to say, I I came to my marriage a virgin. Los únicos boobies que yo he agarrado son los de Jaime. Los the only boobies that I have got a hold of was my wife's after they got married. Después de que me casé. Y todo y todo lo demás no tengo ese mismo lucha. And I don't have that same problem that my father. Sí, estoy en la lucha. And I still have, you know, I there. There's still, there's still, there's still temptation at the temptations. Pero por él usar su mal ejemplo en ese área. But because he uses the bad example in that particular area, me ayudó a mí a no caer en eso. It helped me not to fall into that kind of sin. Se puede. Yes, you can. Y vale la pena. And it is worth everything the world. And also, you might, you might tell them that that. Yes, they want to be the When I decided to pastor, I made the point and 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 preaching on this stuff in church. Yo tomé la decisión de predicar esto en las iglesias. Some adults went nuts. Al principio algunos adultos se volvían locos. They got used to me. Pero luego se acostumbraron a a mi persona. And I have had a lot of people, and there's one right back there, Alejandro. Y yo tengo mucha gente entre ellos ahí está Alejandro. Samuel Ortiz es uno. Samuel es otro. They came up to me and said, "Thank you so very much." My daughters needed to hear this stuff. I didn't know how to explain it to them. But we did it in church. Nothing nasty about it. No pedazo. It's just true that it's simple. You won't believe how many young people I have married. Where the guy that was going to marry 
chavo se iba a casar walked up to me before and he said please y digo, Por favor, when you marry me cuando estás casando, tell everybody that I'm a virgin y a todos que soy virgen. he bragged about it y lo estaba presumiendo. and it wasn't just one it was a whole bunch of people so you can keep yourself clean sí se puede. and you should if you want to be a legend Man, powerful stuff. And like he said at the beginning, stuff doesn't seem to be talked about in church anymore, for it is, it's not, it's not talked about in the proper way. So, if there's one message that when you guys do start dating, because I look around by and large, I don't think any of you in here are dating, or if you are listening and you are dating, I hope this message comes up again and again in the forefront of your minds. And for when you do start dating, I hope this is the one that pops up into your head and you remember this for the years to come, because this is incredibly important. If you think you struggle with temptation now, it's only going to be compounded when you find that special someone. And it's only going to continue to increase when you do things like holding hands and when you do things like hugging when you do things like kissing necking hopefully it never ever gets to that spot dead serious because that's exactly what happened with her and I and although we never fell into sexual sin of losing our virginities before marriage uh, hands went places they should not have gone and kissing a little bit too much. And the thoughts that that just wrecked havoc in the playground up here for me, it all started when we had our first kiss. And you might think that this is all just a guy studying. No, no, no. <laughs> Without being too inappropriate about this, when I gave her her first kiss, it unlocked something in her where she wanted more of it. We both struggled with it just from the first kiss. So girls, you're not immune to this. This is for you as well. But you know what you find out? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Mankind has always had a sex problem. Mankind has always had a sex problem. Always. I never really thought about it like this until somebody had actually went through it and looked at it from the beginning are like, holy smokes. Yeah, it makes complete sense. But if you look at point number one in your outline, sex outside of marriage defiles. Huh, wonder why I had that as your blank. Our church camp theme this year is going to be undefiled. Seems fitting. Sex outside of marriage defiles the beautiful picture of the gospel. We talked about this ad nauseum. Whenever God created man and woman, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth because God wants this place populated with sons of God. He wants this place filled with people who look, act, think, and speak just like him. And that's even why woman was created in chapter two was to be a help me, to help meet that mission, to help meet that demand. And the two became one flesh. And that's where it even says in a weird spot, Genesis chapter two, therefore shall a man leave father and mother. Neither of them had a father and mother, but he says it in Genesis two, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. And they were both naked and unashamed so that they could begin the mission together. But then you see something come up in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, you see that sin enters into the place. And you know what God said to Satan in the first prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ? He says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I am going to send someone and it will be through the seed of a woman. Immaculate conception, a virgin birth. It's the first prophecy of it. Because a woman doesn't have a seed. And God is saying, that seed is going to come one day, serpent, and he's going to crush your head. And from right there, Satan knew. I better do everything I can to attack this seed before it gets to me. And you know what he does in chapter 4? He thinks violence is the answer. Which is why he has a brother kill a brother. He tries to attack the seed through physical violence. 
And it's funny, you trace that pattern all throughout the book of Acts. You trace that pattern all throughout church history. Satan always tries to stop the work of God through violence first. And when he realizes that the church actually grows through violence and through persecution, he has to switch up his plan to be more seductive. That's why religion is so seducing. That's why the Bible equates it to ear tickling. When you have a guy stand behind a pulpit and just tell you the things that you want to hear. He's, he's just feeding your ego, telling you what you want to hear. It's seducing. He goes and moves into a sexual realm. But on point one, again, be fruitful, multiply. What did he say to Noah in Genesis 9-1? Be fruitful and multiply. The same thing with Abraham. Your seed is going to populate the land everywhere you go. It should be your land. You're going to populate it with sons of God. And then chapter 35, the same thing with Jacob and all of his sons, the 12 tribes. And it makes its way to you and I today. John 15, Jesus says that he wants us to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's how he's glorified. How do we do it? By fulfilling the Great Commission. Going and evangelizing the world, seeing them saved to become born again, and then discipling them to go out and do the same. It's spiritual fruitfulness. Sex outside of marriage defiles the beautiful picture of the gospel, which is what we've been called to do to spread the gospel so that people realize that, man, Jesus Christ so desperately wants to be their husband and he wants them to be the bride of Christ. And Satan knows that. That's why in point two, he's always sought to destroy the kingdom through sexual perversion. Look at chapter 6, 1 Corinthians. Follow along with me in verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. They don't profit. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Is there anything in your life that has control over you and you don't have control over it? It could be something big like, like uh, pornography or drinking or smoking or anything. Like that. Or it could be something as small as like, man, I am just a social media junkie or I am just addicted to devices. I'm addicted to chaos and drama. It controls me. I don't have control over it. Bible says don't be brought under the power of any. That's a pretty all-encompassing verse. But look at the context as he continues further. Meats for the belly, verse 13, and belly for the meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now... The body is not for what? But for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by His own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Now look at this. We know where this is going. We're very familiar with verses 19 and 20. But we always skip over these verses. Pay close attention to the picture he paints here. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then... Take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot, a whore, in other words. God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body. He's talking about sex. When you partake in sexual intercourse outside of marriage, you become one body. And look how he ends the verse. For two saith he shall be one flesh. He uses the very same verse that God did to talk about the one instance when it's okay in a marriage covenant with Adam and Eve. So he's sitting here saying, hey, whenever you have sex outside of marriage, it completely destroys, completely ruins the plan of the gospel. It ruins the picture of the gospel, the plan of salvation. You're becoming joined with a harlot, and it's almost as though because you're doing something that was only reserved for the marriage bed, it's almost as though when you partake of that with that person, it's kind of like you're married to them. And then when you break up with them, or you just stop being with them, or whatever the case is, and you move on to the next target, well, then it's like you're having multiple spouses. Do you realize what that does to your emotions, to your psyche, to your physical body when you continue to do that? That's why I don't get, some of you have probably been thinking about people at your schools, that they're just either a man whore or just a whore. And they're just constantly sleeping around, being perverted in all of these ways. Do you not realize, do they not even realize what that's doing in their mind? 
It's like they're marrying and then divorcing again and then remarrying and divorcing again and just constantly going on. No wonder the suicide rate is so up there right now because of people living this way. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication, verse 18. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. People who struggle with lust understand this because you feel like absolute crap when you partake in any kind of sexual sin. You feel like crap afterwards because you're sinning against your own body. You're defiling your own body, which was made for the Lord and for His use and His purposes. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Do you see how serious God takes this? And it's our theme verse, our vision verse for the entire year as a church body. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Mankind has always had a sex problem. When, God, when Satan realized, okay, I, I'm not going to stop the seed from coming from being violent because, man, after Abel got killed, well, here's Seth, and the seed continues. So he switches things, and in Genesis chapter 6, you have the sons of God, the angels coming down and defiling themselves and the daughters of men and to try to corrupt the seed from coming, the promised seed of Jesus Christ. And then you flash forward to Noah after God wipes out everything in Genesis chapter 7 and 8. Then you have Noah. He builds a vineyard, and he gets drunk. And after he gets drunk, his son Ham has an incestuous sexual relationship with his own mother and tries to defile that seed, and he gets cursed as a result of it. Had Noah not gotten drunk in the first place in the vineyard, maybe he would have seen it coming and he would have stopped it. Then you fast forward to Genesis 16 with Abraham, and he had a sex problem. And as we just saw this weekend at the marriage conference, his wife kind of helped enable it. And something happens in Genesis 17. And we talked about it before on Wednesday nights with circumcision as a reminder for God and for His people that there's something different, there's something unique about the seed, that something is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will be coming through that seed. And go figure, the next in line, the next patriarch in line, Isaac, doesn't have a sex problem because he's reminded through this newness of life, as it pictures, as we covered again on a few Wednesday nights ago, through this newness of life, he realizes there's something unique and special about me. And that's one of the reasons why Isaac is one of the greatest pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of Scripture. We just covered the last two Sundays talking about him and his bride, Rebecca, a picture of the church. There's a reason for that. But then you fast forward to Jacob. Uh, boy, was he messed up. Sex problem. Judah, that's a chapter that'll scare you. Chapter 38 of Genesis, he had a sex problem. Uh, David and Bathsheba, anybody? Don't even get me started on Solomon. How many wives he had. It actually says many harlots were his wives. Sex problem all throughout the Bible. Do you think this is a big deal? Do you think that you are immune to it happening to you? There was a time where I thought so. You've got to be careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, flip on over there. So let's talk about practical steps to avoid having a sex problem yourself. We've covered this before. I told you we're not done with 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 1. I was going to ask for volunteers to read, but I'm like, eh. A little awkward for today, so I'll just go ahead and read. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. I hope everyone in here just commits that to memory. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Do you see why he compared, or has those two verses lined up smack dab next to each other? Because touching leads to fornication. It just does. It does. Nevertheless, to avoid that, man, get married. So everyone's ready for that, right? 
<laughs> That's why you got to be careful with dating. Yeah, people always try to say, and I've mentioned this before, dating is a gray area in the Bible. You don't really see dating at all mentioned or, or even seen as a picture at all in the Bible. Yeah, all the more reason to exercise caution and not be loose and frivolous and like, well, I have liberty in Christ. No, you better be careful. So point number one, you know what you do? You avoid inappropriate physical touch. Now, this has to come with a disclaimer. Inappropriate can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Depending on your strengths and weaknesses, as I said, you always want to err on the side of caution. But like I said, you better pray very, very thoroughly. Hmm. Just, don't worry, look at verse 25. <laughs> this will help me because I don't know how to really say this. This will help me. When he says, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment. Do you guys see that? He's saying like, hey, you know, God's not telling me that this is a commandment of the Lord. It's not in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you guys how I feel about it. And you know, the cool thing about it is it was a commandment from the Lord because it found its way into our Bibles today. But Paul, as he's writing this, he's like, hey, Look, this isn't a commandment. I'm just going to tell you how I feel on the subject. So that's what I'm going to do with what I'm about to say. Uh, it's not a commandment. It's not in the Bible per se. I think it, you have a case for it in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 7. I would strongly wait to have your kiss, your first kiss, after you get engaged. If you guys are in here and you're thinking, man, date one, I'm going to go in for the kiss you are opening up Pandora's box. If I can give my judgment on it, do not kiss while you're dating. No commandment of the Lord. You have to discern for yourself what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Don't do it. If I could give my, as your leader, if I can give my strongly worded opinion on it, do not do it. I mean, I was her first kiss. And thankfully, I was her last first kiss. Do you know how glad I am that I didn't have a weird conversation with her where she's like, well, then there was this guy, and that didn't work out. And then there was this guy, and he kissed me. And then there was this person, oh, we went a little bit further than kissing. You know how glad I am that I wasn't, like, fourth on the list? You know how glad I was that I wasn't second on the list? Girls, do you want your future husband to have a long list of guy or of girls that you're <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> not possible. Do you good, we needed some levity in the room. Do you want your future husband to have a long list of all the girls that they've kissed before you? Hey fellas, do you want your future wives to have a long list of all the dudes she slept with before you? Mm -mm. None of us want that. It's not going to make that person feel very unique at all. Hand-holding, hugging, that's different. Kissing, kissing's a little bit more intimate. You're in closer proximity. I, <clears throat> no one, I probably shouldn't say no one as definitively, but when you're holding hands, that doesn't, boom, automatically lead to the bed. It doesn't. Kissing, that's going somewhere. You got to be very careful with that. But I'll even be honest with you guys. Uh, there were sweet times where, you know, I would drive down this back when Heather was living down in New Philly with her parents. And so I would go and hang out with her. Those would be our date nights. And then like we would go leave at like, you know, or I would go to leave and she would walk me out to my car and we would just hold each other. And it was great because you know, we were getting closer and God was bringing us closer, getting closer to that engagement. And we would just hold each other. And it was just so sweet and it was innocent. But then as I'm holding her, I'm like, oh man, my heart is just so overwhelmed. I just, I never want this to end. And the next thought I would think of is, man, one day it doesn't have to end. And we're going to get married. And then when I thought about that, the next thought I had is, wait a second, when we're married, we'll be able to do things that we can't now. And do you see how quickly something innocent like that can turn into something where your mind shouldn't be going? So even if something as hugging, which was innocent, and it wasn't causing me to stumble, it would slowly go that way. 
You got to be careful with things like that. It's innocent at first until your mind starts to wander. You know your own strengths and weaknesses. I'm just telling you, you don't want to have to find out what that weakness is after your first kiss. Hand-holding, hugging, that's a different thing. So avoid an inappropriate physical touch. First bullet point. You know what you also want to do? How does this start? There will be a flow to this. Don't fuel your wants with the thoughts you entertain or the things your eyes see. There's a reason why I put wants there instead of lusts. Because if I put lusts down, then everyone's going to think, oh man, that's typically a guy thing. Again, we're in a day and an age where, man, I, I think girls are struggling with lust just as much as guys are. That was the case when I was in the senior high. So as things are always getting progressively worse, I don't know, maybe you guys were raised differently and praise the Lord for that. But I put wants down because girls, there might even be things that you're putting in front of your eyes or that you're seeing and entertaining your thoughts from uh, storybook romances. What you see on social media or even, goodness, the Disney movies of the princess. And that's your idea of, man, my husband, when he comes along, he's going to be just like Prince Charming. He's going to be that. And, and then we're going to live happily ever after. Have you ever stopped and realized that those movies end with the marriage? And then it says, and they lived happily ever after doesn't go into the work that is involved with marriage sometimes. It only ends with, oh, it's the wedding. Yay. Oh, we first we started off with, oh, he's not interested in her. And oh, everyone else is interested in him. And then she gets close to him. And then they start having fun together. And they're like, oh, look, you fell into the water. Oh, no, you're... I don't know which movie I'm describing. Is that Cinderella? No. Little Mermaid. 101 Dalmatians, I think. 101 Dalmatians. That's what I was thinking of. Remember Pongo, Dregs? Go with that and the mermaid to the dogs. You did the mermaid. Anywho, I guess... Roger and Perdita are a little bit different than... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anywho. It's a good movie. It is a great movie. Wyatt loves it. So does Ryder now. But it always ends with the fairy tale happy ending of they got married. And so we think, oh, this is exactly what my relationship's going to be like. We think this is what my marriage is going to be like. And you don't see the trials and the struggles and the work that's involved with marriage sometimes. Yes, believe it or not, there's work involved. A lot. Thank you. Thank you. Any marriage will tell you that. Any husband and wife will tell you that. Anyone. And so sometimes what you guys might be putting in front of you causes your wants to be like, oh, I hope he's just like that. And you got to be careful with that. Don't fuel your wants with the thoughts you entertain or the things your eyes see. Job 31.1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. How then shall I think upon a maid? That's Job. Great verse for that. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians 6 talked about that. Psalm 119 says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in the way. See, it's not just good enough that you turn your eyes away from something. You also need quickened. Flesh can only last so long. You need sustenance of another kind. Mortify your flesh, but make sure you're feeding your spirit. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way, O Lord, by going to the word of God. Proverbs 4.25, I love this verse. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Not going to the left hand, not going to the right hand, not letting my eyes look down, up here, up here. Let my eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. You're focused. You're of a single-hearted mindness. And Proverbs 11, verse 3 and 5, the integrity, what you're like on the inside, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the perverseness of transgressors shall what? And then again, two verses later, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. What you are on the inside is eventually going to come out. If you have integrity, if you're a person of character, you'll be guided and you'll be just fine. If you're perverse, crooked, it's going to destroy you. And you're going to fall by that own wickedness if you're not careful one day. Boy, these are some great verses to memorize if you struggle with either or. These are verses that helped me out greatly and are in my arsenal. Next thing, so you want to make sure you're not fueling your wants 
with the thoughts you entertain and the things you eyes see, your eyes see, especially while you're dating. But again, do not put yourself or anyone else in tempting situations. Again, we're talking about guidelines while dating. Don't put yourself in those situations. Proverbs 4. I really have to find out why there's a lag because this is downloaded to my iPad, so it shouldn't be an uh, issue. Thank you. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. I love this. Check out how this goes in. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil. Let's say you're walking in downtown Canton or downtown Masson. Let's go with downtown Canton. We can even throw Akron in. Both are sus. Anywho, you're walking down an, uh, a road in downtown area and you see an alley and it looks very, very sketchy in this alleyway. Well, you know what you want to do? You don't want to enter into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. But let's say... You do a double look. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I really want to see what's going on, though. Well, it says in verse 15, avoid it. But God knows us. I love how smart God is and even puts these little parameters in Scripture. He knows that sometimes we're not going to avoid it because our curiosity is going to want to go down the alleyway. But he says, pass not by it. But I need to go this way because I need to get to the other side and I don't want to take the long way. Well, sometimes you have to take the long way of things. Sometimes, uh, there was a phrase I had, it's a common phrase, it just left me. Anyways, sometimes you have to go the long way to get where you're going. But he says, avoid it. And if you don't avoid it, he says, hey, don't even pass by it. Go the, the other way around, the long way. But you're now you're down the alleyway. So you know what you do? Okay, man, I got myself in this weird situation. The other thing he says, well, turn from it. You don't have to keep going. Let's say you got yourself into a weird, awkward situation, like I've explained a couple of times with my history, where maybe you started talking to that girl or that guy, and now you're going a little bit into the flirtatious zone, and you're like, oh man, I think she's hooked. I think he's hooked. And I know this isn't right because this isn't the right person I should be in a relationship with. Man, I didn't avoid it. I didn't pass it. I'm in the alleyway. I'm, I'm here. Well, there's still hope. You can just turn from it and then pass away. Go back out of the alleyway. The goal is to not even put yourself in that situation to begin with. But if you do, there's hope. You don't have to be too far gone until you're too far gone. Don't put yourself or anyone else in tempting situations. You know what Romans 13, 14 says? Make no provision for the flesh. Don't feed it. Don't put yourself in a scenario that you are going to regret. Next, when you do find yourself in a bad situation with that person, maybe because of too much kissing, and then, well, we got to start finding ways that we can be alone with each other so that we can kiss even more. Because I really like kissing. Well, when you do get yourself in a bad situation, flee before it gets worse. Guys, remember this story? And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. Huh, interesting. Wonder why there were no servants in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And Potiphar's wife, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and what? Fled and got him out of there. Man, I'm telling you, if you find yourself in a situation like that, run. I don't care how stupid or weird you look, you better run. Because you don't want to stick around to find out what happens. You don't want to stick around to find out just how strong you actually are in a situation like that. What does Proverbs say in Proverbs chapter 7? Talking about the strange woman. She leads many strong men as oxen to the slaughter. She's well-versed at taking out the strongest of us. She knows how to do it. Girls, there are guys who know exactly what to say to get you right here. There are guys who know exactly what to say to get you to do things that they want you to do. Many strong women led 
to the slaughter as oxen. Yes, men can be whores too. Men who do that and manipulate your emotions, they're whores of another kind. So you find yourself in a bad situation, flee before it gets worse. Again, most of you, I mean, you can use these principles if you're struggling with something personally, but this is more so when you find yourself dating. I hope you keep this study sheet. I hope you know where this message is on the podcast so you can go back to it later when you do start dating. I built these principles in mind for when you are dating. Last point there. Know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when it comes to your flesh, enough is never enough. You might think, okay... if I just get, if we just, it's just a pest, or a, a pest, a peck on the cheek. It's just that. That's all it's going to be. Okay, well, it's just, all right. We had a really great dinner, and we've been together for, wow, four months now. And, man, I just, I really want to give her a kiss. I really want to give him a kiss. And it's just going to be a peck on the lips. That's it until the next date or even that date they're like okay the the peck on the lips was nice but now I want more that's your flesh in case you haven't realized it your flesh is never satisfied it will always want more peck on the lips will not be enough I'm telling you from experience Because then, um, making out won't be enough. And your hands will go places where they should never go. It'll happen. And slowly but surely, you'll be defiling yourself, and you are flirting and playing with fire. Literally, as we're about to read in 1 Corinthians 7. Enough is never enough when it comes to your flesh. Proverbs 27, 20. Oh, what a verse. I'm so glad the Lord brought this to me this week. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. What a verse. Hell and destruction are never full. It actually says in the book of Isaiah that it's it's always expanding. Hell is. And he compares that to the eyes of man. They're never full. Can you imagine just eating... Some of us can, actually. Can you imagine just eating nonstop? Yeah. Eating nonstop and never getting full? Like, they have unlimited wing night in some places. Actually, I think they did away with them. And it's so glorious. You just keep eating and you're never full. You're never satisfied. But we say that as a hyperbole. But imagine if that were literal. You just ate and ate and ate and you're never satisfied. Listen to me. That is literally your flesh. It is never satisfied. It's not going to be satisfied with that first kiss. It's not going to be satisfied with, okay, we're just going to do a kiss on the cheek and then, or a kiss on the lips, and then we'll wait until uh, the altar. Your flesh is not going to be satisfied with that. I'm telling you, it's not going to be satisfied. It will want more. It wants fed. Galatians 5.24 And they that are of Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. This needs to happen on a daily basis according to 6.14. Colossians 3.5 Sorry I got cut off. Mortify, kill therefore your members, that's your body, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, that verse says. You should be familiar with it. We said it before. All right. So... Point number two. Next point is even though you're dating, treat it as though you're not when it comes to the physical. Verses eight and nine. Crap. This isn't going to take long, trust me. Verses eight and nine. Trust me. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. You guys realize Paul never got married? It's good for you to abide even as him. Verse nine. But if they cannot contain... They can't control themselves. Let them what? For it is better to marry than what? Burn. Told you, you're playing with fire. Fornication, sex before marriage, it'll burn you. You heard Phil Brown's testimony just a little bit ago. It'll stay with you until you're 76 years old. Goodness gracious. I can't imagine. All right. 
So you treat dating as though you're single when it comes to this realm of the physical, okay? So that leaves you with two options, really. Option one is get control of yourself, your carnality, your lusts, your desires, your wants. First Thessalonians, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And 1 Corinthians 9.25, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. That means self-control to get an incorruptible crown. You can close your Bibles, but look at your study sheets. And I purposefully printed all this stuff out because I hope it overwhelms the ever-loving crap out of you. So that's option one. Get control of yourself. Option two, if you can't contain yourself, get your affairs in order for the next phase. You know what the next phase is? Marriage. So let me just ask you a couple questions. Let's say that... Uh, you know what? No, I, I'll have control over it. Man, I'm ready to start dating next week. There's a girl or a guy I have in mind. I'm ready to go. And then you find, oh man, it's only week two and I already kissed her. Well, four months from now, when you're coming to see me, sorry I said it like that. I hope you never have to, but if you have to, I'm here. Your other leaders are here for you. Guys, come to me, girls, with your other girl leaders. But if it gets to this point, and you're like, well, I guess the next phase is marriage. Just a couple questions. Follow along with me. Do you have a job that will pay mortgage or rent? What about PMI? Do any of you guys even know what PMI is? Because I had no clue it was until I was ready to get married. You might think like, oh, I'm going to go to the Zillow Estate in my house, and I'm just going to divide that by my monthly salary and see if I have to pay it. Oh, no, there's a monthly insurance rate that you have to pay that's lumped into your mortgage that Zillow doesn't tell you. Do you have cash on hand for the closing costs? How much money for utilities? Okay, point two. Uh, what about the bills that you're going to inherit? Do you have any credit card debt? Uh, you guys have uh, health insurance under your parents right now, but then when you're on your own, therefore shall man leave father and mother, you're going to have that health insurance on you now. What about car insurance, life insurance, car payment? What about a phone bill? Do you have an internet bill? Do you have money set aside for maintenance repairs on the house or car and the time to fix it? What about student loan debt? Speaking of which, what are your plans for college? Do you still go? Do you put it on hold? Are you married while going to college? Do you know of many people that do that, by the way? Because I don't. What happens if you get pregnant while in co college? Because oopsies sometimes happen. What happens if you get pregnant while in college with your spouse? Who stays home? Who pays for and is available to help with childcare? Can you afford any of the above? Are you agreed? Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Are you agreed on how to raise the child? Do you, have, do you need a second job to pay for all of the above? What does that do to your personal time? What does that do for your ministry? Because we all have a ministry. Are you prepared for it to just be you and that person forever? Are you prepared to not rely upon mom and dad again? Do you have the conflict resolution skills to settle differences because there aren't any breakups anymore? You can't just break up with them. Are you prepared to stop living the way you do as a single person and attend to the other person's needs? Are you prepared to work in your relationship? Uh, have I mentioned that already, that it takes work? Because it does. Are you only wanting to get married just so you can focus on the physical intimacy of it while neglecting the emotional and spiritual element of marriage? Do you know what the biblical responsibilities are of a husband and a wife, and are you prepared to live them? The point I wanted to make by putting all of these down on paper is that because of our go, go, go world and getting things so instantaneously with cell phones and great technology that we have today is that because we're so go, 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 when was the last time any of you sat down just to stop and think about that? Understand, if you're dating and you can't control yourself sexually, that's your next option. According to the Bible is marriage. Are you sure you're ready for that now? Do you think any of you are going to be ready for marriage before college is over? So here's the thing. Let's say you do find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright within the next year or so, and then you're both going off to college, but you're still going to be dating together. Well, now that's just four, if not more years that you guys are going to have to wait before you can get married. Which is why I kind of, again, want to strongly suggest, are you absolutely sure you're supposed to go to college? longer you're with someone, the, just the increase of temptation, it happens. So some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not going to college, so yeah, I'll be ready soon. Uh, go back through this list and reevaluate. 
So if we can all agree for the sake of time that this is not an option right now, you better go back to option one because to conclude your study sheet, make sure option three is never on the table. It is better to marry than to burn. Burn is your blank. Option three of fornication is not on the table. Are you prepared to change your thinking to align what the Bible says? Aren't you glad that we got through that so we don't have to come back to this next week? So I'm telling you, if you're struggling with lust right now of any kind, if it's sexual or just you're just emotionally wanting and coveting all many things like I'd mentioned earlier, get it under control. Start working now towards it and fight it like you're in an Old Testament battle, which is why those Old Testament stories are still in our Bibles for us to look at and say, man, I got to make sure that I look at this as though this is life or death, that if I don't charge that hill and if I don't wipe out as many enemies as I can, if I don't get as many brothers and sisters behind me and accountability partners as I can, then I am going to lose my life on this hill right now. That's why those stories are in the Old Testament. So let's charge. Let's do what we need to to get things under control so that when you guys are dating, you will have these guidelines. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.